everybody, welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. My name is Alan Gigax, and today we're going to talk about scanner features that nobody told you about. Maybe you're lucky and you have a station that has a really good trainer at it and they stay up to date on the scanner features and pass those along. Or maybe you're like me and you just explore through the scanner and, oh, I wonder what this new feature is. But I bet for a lot of you there are going to be some surprises in here that you didn't know. Oh, I didn't know my scanner could do that. Or, oh, that's what that feature is. So that's what we're going to talk about today. These scanners are essentially little computers and the scanner program, the MDD, the mobile delivery device, is a program that runs on the scanner. So they can be upgraded from time to time, or at least updated. Whether it's an upgrade is always a subject of debate. But there are new features on this scanner that actually make our job easier. And some of them I find fairly interesting. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to walk through the scanner, working our way down the on-street menu, highlighting anything that I find noteworthy. I'm not going to go over basics like delivery events, that you know, delivered in at the mailbox, or uh, prepaid acceptance, stuff like that. Uh, that stuff you should already be familiar with, but if you want an episode like that, reach out to me, let me know. I can always do it. It's pretty straightforward. So... Turning to the scanner itself, first we're going to start with the sub-menu in the top right corner of the scanner. It's three horizontal lines. I've also heard it called the hamburger menu because I guess it kind of looks like two pieces of bread and a piece of meat. It's three horizontal lines. I don't know. I don't care for that name. I just call it the sub-menu. So anyway, if you tap that sub-menu, then it brings up a series of options. And you can do this from almost any screen on the scanner. And depending on what screen you're in, it will bring up different options. So the main ones that I'm going to talk about here are option M, Copilot Mapping. That'll be first. And this is the GPS that's built right into your scanner. So if you go into Copilot Mapping, you can type in the address for where you want to go and press enter and your scanner will give you turn by turn directions for how to get there. A little map pops up, it looks just like a regular GPS that you would use on your phone and it says the directions out loud so that you don't have to look at the scanner while you're driving. You can also put in multiple addresses and it will route those for you. So if you're doing five different stops you can put in all five addresses and it'll give you a, a path with minimal backtracking to hit all five of those addresses, like in a loop or a line or whatever. So that's Copilot Mapping. Uh, it is kind of a pain that you have to type in the full address all the way to the zip code. There is no autocomplete, although as I understand it, it will store addresses that you've already put in there. Uh, so that's a bit of a pain. It'd be nice if you could just use the intelligent mail barcode to get the address, but whatever. At least it's something. You don't always have to use your own phone or a paper map for GPS. Next on the submenu is T, time clock, and I don't know why you would want to get to it this way, because it's already on your main menu, but whatever. You can get to the time clock from here as well. Uh, just tap time clock, and there you go. All right, the one in here that I find the most useful is option U, touch settings, and if you tap on touch settings, then it gives you two options, either stylus and finger or glove and finger. So I always have mine set to stylus and finger. I guess if you're somewhere where, like in the wintertime, you have to wear gloves, maybe they're not touchscreen compatible, you can switch it to glove and finger, 
and the touchscreen becomes way more sensitive. And so anything that brushes against it is going to activate that touchscreen. And that's why I hate it, because the scanner just goes crazy. So whenever I have a scanner that's going crazy, that's the first thing I check, is make sure that I have it set to stylus and finger so that the screen is not nearly as sensitive. All right, so that's your submenu. Now we're going to move on in the regular on-street menu, and our first stop will be the scan barcode screen. So when you're scanning barcodes for deliveries or for acceptance or whatever, um, you may have noticed that some of our shipping labels now have little QR codes on them. They're not as big as like the FedEx QR code, or I mean the UPS QR code, but uh, just to the left of the address and usually at the bottom of the shipping label, there'll be this small QR code that you can scan, and that QR code actually has the tracking number. And I love this because I'm sure you've encountered so many times where any little defect in the tracking barcode will make it impossible to scan. You know, even something as simple as like a print head going out, that makes an extra vertical line in that barcode, and now the barcode becomes completely unreadable. Well, QR codes are a little more robust, and so often you can scan those even when the, uh, when the regular barcode is not available. So more and more of our labels are getting these QR codes on them, and I hope that eventually all of our labels have these QR codes because they make scanning so much easier. All right, so that's that. Now, in your scan barcode screen, on the left side of the screen, just below Escape and right above the keypad, you will see a little magnifying glass. If you tap that magnifying glass, then your screen will turn yellow, and what that does is it lets you scan the intelligent mail barcode on a mail piece, and your scanner will search for that address. So you have a piece of mail where maybe the address is illegible or it's been smeared or the end of it is cut off or whatever might be wrong with the address, that mail got to you by that intelligent mail barcode. And it's entirely possible that all the address information you need is embedded in that barcode. So you can scan the barcode, it'll tell you the address, and that could save a piece that would have otherwise been undeliverable. All right, so that's your scan barcode screen. Going back to the main menu, or to the on-street menu, the next item down is batch scan. And most carriers won't use this at all. But what it's for is for scanning multiple pieces that are going to all different addresses. Your scanner normally doesn't like it when you scan multiple packages that go to different addresses because it thinks you're up to no good. Uh, how can you scan five things delivered that go all over the city? You're clearly not at those places. So batch scan is used for scanning a whole bunch of pieces together when it's not a delivery scan. And the best example of this that I can think of is if you're on a business route and today is Saturday and you have a bunch of businesses that are closed, then you can go into batch scan, just scan all 30 or 80 packages or whatever you have, and then you can mark them all as attempted business closed using batch scan. Next item down on the on-street menu is load truck. Now, of course, you already know how to use load truck to load your truck because that's something that we've been required to do. And yeah, it's not really necessary for a regular carrier who's been on the route for a while to load truck. So why does management think it's so important? Well, I have a hypothesis about that. I know one thing is that it provides updates that, yeah, this package is definitely going out for delivery. So there's that. 
But in my limited time as union steward, what I've been noticing is that management uses that as proof that you had that package in the morning. And if you didn't scan it that day, well, they know you had it because you scanned it on load truck. But where's the delivery scan? So it increases, uh, let's say it increases carrier accountability. So that's one thing with the load truck. Um, But the other thing about it is it's supposed to help you load your truck and it tells you when you scan it, section one, section five, section six, whatever it is. But in addition to that, on that screen where it says section six, it also has the exact stop number for that parcel. So on my route, if I scan something and it says section one, maybe it goes to stop 38. So if I have a trainee with me or if I'm setting up an unfamiliar route, I might put 38 right on that parcel. I scan the next one. It says section five, stop number 422. I'm going to put 422 on there. Next one is section five, stop 420. So I'm going to put 420 on there. And then when I'm loading my truck, forget the six sections. I can use those numbers to put my parcels in exact delivery order. And that can be a lot more useful than just the six sections loading. The other thing that I use load truck for is if the address is unreadable. So just like with that um, magnifying glass, if you go into load truck and you scan the barcode for that package, it'll show you the address of where that package is being sent to. And so you can use that to make an otherwise undeliverable package, uh, undeliverable package deliverable. I also use it when the scanner tells me that I'm delivering this to the wrong address. So I know you've had this happen. You out delivering your route, you scan it, you mark it as delivered, left at front door. And your scanner says you're 422 feet from the uh, delivery area. Do you want to continue? So whenever that happens, I use that as an opportunity to check to make sure I'm actually at the right delivery spot. And about half the time, the scanner is stupid. And yes, I'm at the right delivery spot. But the other half of the time, I'm stupid. You know, I have these streets on my route like Meadowcrest Drive and Mount Crest Drive, and they have the exact same house numbers. And man, that is easy to mix up. Another part of my route, I've got Meadow Glen Way, Meadow Glen Circle, and Meadow Glen Drive, and Meadow Glen Way and Circle have the same house numbers. So there's definitely opportunity for mistakes. And then other mistakes I make just because, oh my gosh, you know, it's easy for me to stand up here and like read my little script I've written and make it seem like I'm smart, but reality, not that smart. So anyway, the other thing that I've noticed though is when the scanner is stupid, it's almost always the same problem. So the scanner tells me that I'm 422 feet from the right address and I look at the address, I look at the package, I make sure that I'm not screwing up and I say, no, it's not, it's the scanner. And I've started going into load truck to see where the scanner thinks this package is going is supposed to go. And what I've found is almost always the scanner thinks that the package is going to the first house on the block. I don't know why it does that, but that's definitely the problem that I see again and again and again. So that's something that I found by using load truck is the scanner thinks this is supposed to go to 3644, even though the label says it's going to 3698. So that's load truck. All right, moving down your on-street menu. Next is option P, package look ahead. And this is supposed to be used when you're out on the street to know what packages are coming up so that you don't miss any packages. And then as you 
scan packages, then they clear out, and then eventually at the end of the day, in theory, your package look ahead will be empty. Well, let me tell you a little bit about how this system works. When packages are assigned to your route, like when they pass through the, uh, when they go into the pass machine in the morning and the, scan and the clerks place them in the appropriate hamper, that package is now assigned to your route. So whenever you go into package look ahead, your scanner uploads the full package manifest for your route. And then anything that you've already scanned, it kicks it off the list. So after you've delivered your first couple streets, streets you go into package look ahead and you, you, know, um, you upload your full manifest and then all those packages on the first couple of streets, you've already scanned them and so they disappear. Um, I'm sorry, my dog is, uh, is dreaming right now and she just got really yippy and that is distracting. I wonder if you can hear her. Well, wouldn't you know it? Of course she stopped. All right, so anyway, so that's how package look ahead works. Um, but where it's really the most useful, in my opinion, is when you're doing auxiliary assistance or when you're on an unfamiliar route. I know where I deliver the mail, if I do auxiliary assistance and somebody else prepared it for me, obviously my DPS is all in perfect delivery order, my residual mail is all in perfect delivery order, but it's really common for the parcels to just be in a pile. And back in the day, what you'd have to do if you didn't know the route is just organize the parcels by street name. And then when you got to a street, you'd have to look for all the parcels that had that street name on it and try to take those. Package Look Ahead makes that so much easier. You just drive out to the route. When you get to that first street, you pull up the Package Look Ahead. You find where you are on the manifest. And then you can see every package that's upcoming. And first, I'm going to go to Jackson Street. Then I'm going to go to Newton Street. Then I'm going to go to Powell Street. Then I'm going to go to Harmon Avenue. And now you can put your parcels all in perfect delivery order. And it makes it much easier to set yourself up for success. So that's what I use that for. Next, prepaid acceptance. We don't need to go over how prepaid acceptance works. But some things about it you might not have known. For example... There is no practical limit on how many parcels you can scan in a single batch. If you're picking up packages from a business and they send out 150 parcels, in theory, you could scan all 150 of them, then press enter the one time, and boom, all those packages get uploaded. But for me, I've had my scanner freeze up on me too many times and crap out on me too many times to put all my eggs in that one basket. So I usually only like to do about 20 at a time, and then I'll press enter and let them upload. Oh, and the other thing that I do, because I'm not very bright, is I'll scan, you know, 30 packages in, and then I press enter, and instead of going beep, beep, my scanner says, were these delivered, attempted, returned? I say, oh my God, I didn't go into prepaid acceptance. I'm in the wrong screen. So I got to escape out, delete all the scans that I just made, and then do them all over again. So... I usually only scan about 20 at a time. Um, now, in prepaid acceptance, if you go into that submenu in the top right, those three lines, there is an option in there that is now available, and it's called continuous scan. And with continuous scan, when you turn that on, all you have to do is press the yellow scan button one time, and the laser just stays on. And then 
you don't need to hold on to it. You could just set your scanner down like on a table or, or somewhere where it's uh, pointing in the right direction. And then you can just pass the parcels in front of it like you're checking out items at the grocery store. And the scanner just stays on and it just beep, beep, beep as you pass them through. So what I like, if I'm picking up from a business where I'm going to pick up, say, 100 spurs, what I'll do is have my bag open and just with my one hand I'm holding the bag and then the other hand I've got the parcels and I'm just passing them through beep 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 as I pass them in front of the scanner drop them into the bag it makes it so much easier you don't have to hold the scanner anymore that is good stuff and that laser will stay on until you either press the scan button again or press enter to input all of those scans very useful next moving down the on-street menu we have settings most of the settings I don't find particularly useful some of them are not even accessible but here's the ones that I do mess with sound volume you know, whoever programmed these scanners, they could have made, they could have had these scanners make any sounds they wanted. They could have made animal noises, they could have made chimes, anything pleasant. But they didn't choose pleasant, did they? No, they chose unpleasant. And maybe, even if it would have been something adorable, like a little puppy barking, maybe after hearing it 30,000 times it would get annoying. I don't know. These started annoying right from the beginning. So with sound volume, I turned mine down. I like to turn it down to about 70%. Any lower than that, and I run the risk of not being able to hear it if my scanner has an alert go off or if I get a text message from management. So I find 70% to be that happy medium where it's quiet enough that at least it takes the edge off of the regular beeping, but it's loud enough that I don't miss the alerts. Next in settings is time display, and you can choose whether you want a 12-hour clock or a 24-hour clock. No practical um, difference between the two. It's just a personal preference. You do you. And then the last one that I like to use is adjust font size. And in my younger days, I used to make the font size smaller so that more information could fit on the screen. But as I'm getting older, I'm finding larger font size to be more and more appealing. So not only is it easier to read, but it's also easier to touch. So if you're having problems like tapping the wrong buttons when you, or tapping the wrong options when you're using the touchscreen, making that font size bigger can make that a little bit easier. All right, so that's your settings. Next, option N, moved left no address. So I had a whole episode with, that was devoted to the PARS, uh, Postal Automated Redirection System, and move left no address. And obviously I recommend you give it a listen if you haven't done so already. But in broad strokes here, the move left no address is exactly what it says. It's if the person has moved, they don't live here anymore, and they didn't put in a change of address. If they did put in a change of address, we're going to get to that in the next option. But if they didn't, you can mark them as move left no address. And so you go into move left no address, and your scanner brings up a search box where you're going to scan the intelligent mail barcode, and it automatically fills in the address. You confirm the address. And your scanner is going to ask you, or maybe it's the first thing it asks you, but it's going to ask you, has it been at least 10 days? And what that's for is if somebody just freshly moved out, we don't want to start returning their mail right away. We've got to hold on to it at least for a little while to give them a chance to come pick it up. But if they haven't lived there in years, then yeah, it's been 10 days and you can just go past that screen. Then your scanner will ask you, is this individual, family, or business? And it works essentially the same as a forward. So I almost always choose family for this because if the Gonzalez family has moved out, 
the entire Gonzalez family has moved out. There's no reason to just put, you know, there are no more Gonzalez's living there. There's no reason to make that specification. So I mark that as family, and then you type in the name, you press enter, and beep, beep, and it's done. The move left no address is now in, and it's part of that PARS, uh, the automated redirection system. So this is really useful for you as a carrier because PARS will automatically intercept any future mail for Gonzalez and return it to sender. And it never even comes to you. You don't have to deal with it anymore. It's also useful for the recipient because you know how people complain like, hey, these people used to live here and I keep getting mail for them. Is there any way you can make it stop? Yeah, this is how you make it stop. You put in a move left no address for that name and then that mail will stop showing up and now you have happier customers, which hopefully means better tips at Christmas time. And then it's also useful for the mailer because they don't want to send mail to people who don't live there anymore. That's a waste of money. So as you put in these move left no addresses, the mailers will periodically update their mailing records and they'll stop sending stuff there. So it's a win-win all around. Please use this move left no address. When they write on that envelope, haven't lived here in five years, immediately just go into option N, do the move left no address. It takes about 15 seconds and oh. It's the best. All right. Next in the on-street menu is COA update. And I love this one. So when you do COA update, it brings up a search box where you put in the intelligent mail barcode. And then what happens is your scanner checks that address to see if there's a forward on file for anybody who lives at that address. And if there is if there's not a forward on file for anybody who lives there, then your scanner will say no forward has been found or no record for this address or whatever it says. But if there is a forward on file, then the details of that forward come up. Most importantly, the name on the forward comes up so that you know whose mail is being forwarded and whose is not. And then it'll tell you whether it's individual, family, or business. It tells you the expiration date of the forward. And it's awesome. So now when that person gives back that piece of mail, they put a piece of mail in their box with the flag up and they write on it, doesn't live here, wrong address, you know, whatever customers put on there. And hmm, does this person have a forward on file or not? Well, now you can tell instantly. You just go into COA update, you scan that intelligent mail barcode, and then boom, you know right away whether or not there's a forward on file. So this lingering question that there always is of, is this a forward or is this attempted not known? Now you have the answer right with you. It's like having your 3982s with you out on the street, your pink cards where we store all of our forwards. That information is now right there in your scanner. And you can use this when you're doing auxiliary assistance. CCAs can use this. And it really reduces the amount of cleanup that the regular carrier might have when they get back from a day off because now you don't have to wonder anymore. Does this person have a change of address? It's all right in there. All right, next on your on-street menu is the edit book. And the edit book, again, gives you the option to scan the intelligent mail barcode for an address and then it inputs the address from the barcode and it tells you the current status of that address in your edit book. It lets you know whether that is listed as vacant or occupied, lets you know whether it's listed as business or residential, and most importantly, 
you can change that status from right there on that screen. So forever, in order to make these kind of changes, we would have to actually use our edit book, our red book, and go through with a red pen and, and mark up the changes and put the little slash next to the line to say, yep, yeah, this is no longer vacant or now this is newly vacant. Well, now you can do that right from your scanner. And it's great when somebody moves out and nobody moves in. Now you can just, on your scanner, you got a piece of mail from them that day, scan that piece of mail, mark it as vacant, beep, beep. Now your edit book has been updated and that mail is now vacant. This is useful for you as a carrier because when you get like an Everydoor Direct Mail, um, the mailer is going to send you an appropriate number of mail pieces for however many active deliveries you have. And that's based on the number from your edit book. So my route has like... I don't know, 370 deliveries. And I have about 20 vacants, so I have 350 active deliveries. So if I'm staying on top of this in my edit book, well, when I get an Everydoor Direct Mail, it's only going to have 350 pieces in it instead of 370 because it doesn't send me ones for the houses that are vacant. Why would they? And that's really nice. It eliminates some waste. It cuts down my UBUM. And it's great for the mailer because they don't have to bother sending mail to places where nobody lives. So really easy right there from your edit book. Incidentally, if you stay on top of this with your edit book and with your move left no address, you can totally cut down the amount of UBUM that you get on any given day. I've been doing this for a while now, and it's not unusual for me to get between zero and five pieces of UBUM on any given day, including ad day. So I highly recommend you use these. All right, next on the on-street menu is text messages. I'm sure you've already been using this to message back and forth with management. It's really the best way to communicate with management because it leaves a paper trail. So my only notes on this are, first, it still drives me nuts that there's no punctuation. Why would they disable punctuation on this? I don't know. It's not up to me. But essentially, the effect is every message you send to management is a run-on sentence. So what I'll do, because I don't have access to commas and periods, is I use extra spaces. So I'll write to them something like, I finished my handoff, space, space, space. It took two hours, space, space, space. My new return time is 1830. And then I press enter. And once you press enter, you put in the expiration, and then it gets uploaded. So if you're quick and you pay attention, down in the lower left of the screen, there will be a little envelope that shows up, that like the text message envelope, and it has a red arrow pointing up, and that lets you know that that message is being uploaded. Once that envelope disappears, now the message has been successfully uploaded, and now you know management got it. But if you miss it or you're not paying attention, you can always now go into your outbox, and it'll show you all the messages that have been sent. You find the message in question, tap through a couple of screens, and it'll tell you status uploaded or status not uploaded. And if it's uploaded, now you know management got it, or at least it was sent to them. Whether they actually check it is another issue altogether, but you've done your part. And speaking of that, another change that I have recently made is on the expiration screen, the default is five days. And I got some good advice from a union steward that said you should always change that to like 15 days because if there's ever any dispute about whether you actually sent that message or not, I think, well, we have 14 days to file a grievance. And so it'd sure be nice if that message was still on the system when it came time to file that grievance. 
So I always change it now to 15 days just so that if there's any dispute, it's much more likely that that message will still be available in the messaging system. All right, next item on the on-street menu is hazard alerts. And this uses the GPS in your scanner to alert any nearby carriers of an ongoing safety concern. This is used in conjunction or sometimes in place of the dog warning cards. And it can be used for other hazards as well. Maybe there's a, a trip hazard, there's a wire hanging across the lawn, or just to the left of the sidewalk there's a tiger pit, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, that can be programmed into the GPS. And what's nice about that is now you know, you know as well as I do that sometimes those special notice cards or the dog warning cards don't always get cased up. And now you don't have to rely on that. Now anybody who's out in that area, their GPS on their scanner is going to go off and it's going to let them know that, hey, at this address, there's a dangerous dog. You know, Be on the lookout. So that's what that's used for. And that information has to be entered into your scanner by your supervisor. So you give the information to the supervisor, they'll type it in, and now it's in there until it gets removed. All right, the last item on here on your on-street menu that I want to talk about, it's kind of anticlimactic, but that's okay, um, is collection box info. So this is an easy way to report issues with your collection box. If you pick up from those blue collection boxes, then you already know that there's a barcode inside that you have to scan, and it has to be scanned after the time indicated on the label. So if this box says 12 o'clock, then you have to pick it up just sometime after 12 o'clock, and you got to make sure you scan it. Well, after you've scanned that barcode, you can go down into collection box info, and you can input any problems that there are with that collection box. Those boxes are the face of the post office out on the street, so we want to make sure they stay in good shape. So right from the screen, you can report if it's not anchored properly, if there's something wrong with the lock, if it's been vandalized, whatever it is, you can report it right from that screen, which is a nice, simple process. Guys, that's it. Whew, we want to go in 30 minutes on this one. So... Uh, hope you guys learned something new about the scanners. If there's anything else cool about the scanners, I don't know what it is. So feel free to get back with me on that and let me know so that I can maybe add it to a future episode. I know they are changing all the time. Oh, like I didn't even talk about the great informational videos that we get from the Postmaster. Oh, well, that'll have to wait for another day. So if you have uh, additional information you'd like me to know and pass along, I'm very easy to find on Facebook. My name is Alan Gigax. That's A-L-A-N-G-E-G-A-X. And you can also email me at coachallen, A-L-A-N, at gmail.com. And give me episode ideas. Give me your feedback, whatever you want. And that's all I got, guys. Be safe out there. And try to make yourself as discipline-proof as possible. And I will catch you next time.